Across the UK, online and on DAB, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. A mid-morning dance with the devil from the farmer of fury. Dangerous mid-morning debate with the great dictator. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. It's another historic day in the Independent Republic. Not mine, of course. I'm talking about the one in North Korea. Kim Jong-un has just become the first North Korean leader to cross into the South in 60 years. And it's all thanks to Donald Trump. As you might expect, the lefties are all in lather over the planned visit in July. Owen Jones is already planning a festival against hatred. David Lammy will stop his protests against Windrush to man the barricades. And there's even talk of keeping the US president out of London to avoid it all. For heaven's sake, why on earth is Donald Trump Getting not getting a proper state visit anyway. 03444991000. As Julie Hartley Brewer just said, if you didn't protest against the Chinese, if you didn't protest against the Saudi Arabians, then you should not be protesting against Donald Trump, who was actually elected, by the way. Meanwhile, out there in the real world, there are real tragedies. Up in Liverpool, the family of little Alfie Evans are asking for privacy and trying to make up with the medical establishment at Alder Hay Hospital. It's a terrible case in which no one really wins. We will be talking to Fraser Nelson, uh, who's a very, very uh, interesting broadcast and journalist who believes the parents should be given more rights. 0344 499 1000. Later on, we might find out what the royal baby's name is. We'll talk about the sale of Wembley Stadium and the ludicrous cost of parking tickets nowadays. And because it's Friday, it's also time for the Perrier Awards. Katie's homage to my broadcasting brilliance. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, and Katie Perrier on Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. I don't want to protest against Donald Trump. He's the President of the United States. As you say, it's our greatest ally. You might not like him. You know, you might not have liked Barack Obama. You might not have liked Bill Clinton. You might not have liked George W. Bush. However, they are still the President of the United States of America, our greatest ally. In these post-Brexit days, we should be embracing them, I would have thought. But let's talk to Karen Robinson, former Vice Chair of Democrats Abroad, uh, and find out what she's going to be doing when the Donald turns up. Karen, a very good morning to you. Good morning, Karen. Good morning. Thank you very much indeed for joining us. Will you be um, organising any protests against the Donald when he gets here? Well, you know, we're still we're still forming our plans. Um, I think Democrats abroad will certainly want to make our voice heard in some way, shape or form, no question. But I think what's really important to us as Americans is, is two things, as American expats here. First of all, we have a tremendous sense of solidarity with uh, many of the communities that have been negatively affected by Donald Trump's policies, um, particularly immigrant communities and refugees. Um, for us to watch immigrant children being torn away from their children, as uh, from their families, as, de- as deportations ramp up in the United States, that hits really home because a lot of us are are living in this country. We're living here as immigrants ourselves. Um, so we want to express our solidarity with some of the communities who've been negatively affected, including people um, who are threatened by the, the Muslim ban, which is working its way through the courts right now. Um, but the second thing, and, and the, probably the most important thing that we'd like to get across to anybody who's listening to the sound of my voice right now, is that um, protest is obviously valuable, but the most important statement that we can make is through our vote. There is a midterm election coming up in November, and everyone with an American passport has the right to vote in it, whether they live in the United States or not. So we're very keen to make sure people go to votefromabroad.org, register to cast their ballots, make sure they make their voices heard in, in the way that's going to have the most impact, which is at the ballot box. Yes, of course. But, I mean, as far as the visit by Donald Trump is concerned, generally speaking, are you going to be demonstrating? Uh, will I personally be demonstrating? Yes, I expect I will. And really? I, will I find that amazing. See, I find that quite surprising in a way, because obviously, you know, the Democrats lost and the Republicans won. And you never really see people from the Republican Party demonstrating against any of the Democrats. We didn't see, for example, demonstrations against Barack Obama when he won. 
Um, well, Barack Obama was more popular than Donald Trump is. Um, I think one thing I'd well, like Well, I mean, to... no, that's, an, that's arguable, isn't it? I mean, the fact is, it doesn't well, really matter what popularity ratings are. The fact is, one won well, an no. election, and so did the other. You're, so, you know... You're 100% correct. It doesn't matter what your popularity rating is. He has views that are, anet- that are anathema to our views and beliefs about what's best for America. Um, if, I think it's, it's worth putting into the context of the fact that this is not a unique experience of Donald Trump being protested again. I mean, the protests that took place on the day after his inauguration were bigger than the inauguration itself. The women's marches, um, the march, uh, the, the gun rights marches that, that we helped support here in, in London as well. Protest is a normal part of Donald Trump's presidency. And actually, there's a... There's well, a no, protest, well, protest of... is a part of the left, isn't it? Because the same thing happens here. Whenever the Tories get in, there's always loads of protests. Whenever the Labour Party gets in, there's never any. Mm. Well, I mean... So, are you objecting to people expressing their no. political opinion? Is no, that, I'm just that, giving you. I'm just giving you so my. We, no, no, no. Listen, you you can protest as much as you like. Of course, you can't protest in okay. China, or you can't protest in Saudi Arabia, which is when uh, we had the last two state visits. But I guess you didn't protest them either. Uh, in China, well, I did protest against China, against certain Chinese policies, and I'm uh, certainly very concerned about those. But, but that's not what we're here to talk so about. So, I mean, what, what do you have time to do? Anything else apart from just protest against things? Yeah, actually we do. And I think we're still forming our plans on that. But it's a really great question because we don't want to just be anti-anything. We want to be pro-something. Really? Um, and I think what we, are, what we are very much in favour of is supporting the vulnerable people who have been harmed by Donald Trump's policies. And so we are working... Um, well, who are, where are all these vulnerable people and why are they not protesting? Well, they are. Really? <laughs> a lot of them. And then we're working a lot... Well, where are, what, there's loads of them here, are there? Oh, there's tons of them here, absolutely. So we're talking to um, the, the LGBT community. We're talking to um, refugee and immigrant rights groups. What's the LGBT um, community in Britain got to be concerned about the American president for? That's a fantastic question. Thank Let me you. talk about a few policies that might potentially affect the LGBT community right here in Britain. Okay. Um, one of which is um, immigration rights. Now, we currently, LGBT people have one hard won immigration, uh, the right to bring their partners to the United, to the United States uh-huh. as, uh, as immigrants. A lot of our members are in that situation. Um, Trump's been trying, he, he would like to find a way to overturn that through the Supreme Court. Um, well, so what? There isn't actually a policy, though, to do it. Uh, there is a policy. So you're to protesting something. Well, you're protesting against something that hasn't happened. Well, one thing that has happened is uh, that there's a ban. That Trump is trying to create a ban on transgender people. So there isn't a ban, in other words. So there isn't one. There is no. Well, Trump has imposed a ban. Yes, he has created a ban. It's currently working its way through the courts. Um, and the well, then it's not law then. Just, it's not it's, law then. I'm just. I'm sorry, well, um, Karen. I'm just struggling. Right. I'm well, just struggling. Looks to me like you're looking. No, it looks like you're looking to find things to protest against. That's what it looks like. Donald, Donald Trump has created a policy that transgender people should not be allowed to serve in the military. The military. And that was rejected, wasn't it? Not necessary. It was rejected. No, it has not been rejected. It is currently working its way through. No, the it was rejected by the military. No, that's the whole point. The military doesn't want it. Trump's imposing it anyway. No, the military have already rejected it as an idea. That's the point, surely. But the military doesn't have the power to reject the president's policy. The president gets to make those Well, he doesn't seem to have managed... Yeah, but he hasn't got it through, has he? The point is, if he was able to just impose things like Kim Jong-un can in China, in North Korea, or the way that the Chinese can, that would be one thing. But he can't do that, and that's why he hasn't done it. And I just, I I just find it astonishing that you... Is your position that we should not object to a bad policy the president is currently no. trying to impose? My, my, no, my position is that you should, you should make better of use of your time by actually finding some common ground that people in this country where you live 
can actually find with Donald Trump, rather than saying that everything that he thinks of is a bad idea and you're going to protest against it no matter whether it's a reality or not. It just seems to me that you're wasting your time. You're sort of barking up the wrong tree. You know what? I think that would be a wonderful thing. I can find something. If the people of this country find an issue that they that they strenuously agree with Donald Trump about, um, I would love to hear about it. Um, but that right now, his policies are directly hurting the United Kingdom. He's creating... I don't, example, I don't agree. I think that's absolute rubbish. Trade. That's rubbish. Um, How is it hurting the United Kingdom? What is he doing that is hurting the United Kingdom? Another great question. Thank you. I'd love, love to tell you about that's that. That's what I do. He's, create, he's creating a tariff system by which um, a lot of imports from, 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 from foreign countries, including the United Kingdom, will be unfairly penalised. Now, the UK has, tri- has, has achieved an exemption from that, um, but the, the, so for the moment. So that's all right, then. Um, but, but his trade policies have been created on such an arbitrary um, and capricious way that I think everyone should be very concerned about what's going, to happen, what's going to happen next. He seems to be taking a trade policy based on punitive punishments of people that he dislikes. That's not the way forward for American trade policy. So do you think, so Karen, not- Karen, do you think, therefore, that Theresa May will be going heavy on discussions on trade with Donald Trump? Because he has a very protectionist agenda and she has a yes. very free trade agenda. And do you think that maybe there might be with some announcements after the visit about what could be done together in a post-Brexit Britain. Well, do you know what? I'm not here to talk about what Theresa May might do or not do. Um, I, you know, I wish her luck in her negotiations. I, you know, as, as somebody who lives in this country, I, I hope for the best for Britain. Um, I think she's in a very difficult position because I think her position is is weakened by um, the capriciousness of the president and also by um, by by her position. Uh, as have you as thought? Being, here's a question uh, for you, Karen. Have you thought about going Sorry? to France and protesting against uh, Emmanuel Macron for going and and sort of shaking hands and holding hands with Donald Trump and actually doing business with the American government, which you apparently are so opposed to? Uh, why should I travel to France? I live here. Uh, well, I because mean, you because you because you wish to because you wish I presume and to demonstrate on behalf of all Europeans who are being affected by what you regard as Donald yeah. Trump's dangerous policies. But if no, the French are getting into bed, the French are getting into bed with him. Surely that would be a more important place to go and demonstrate. I think I think that's hilarious because it seems to me that you haven't actually listened to what Emmanuel Macron actually had to say in front of the United States Congress. Uh, no, I have listened. Clear. I have listened to what he okay. said, but I also but watched him hold. I also clear. watched him holding hands, Karen, with the president. Yeah, as did Theresa May. I don't care who holds hands with anybody. They okay. can smooch in public, as far as I'm concerned. That's right. fine. I care about Donald Trump's destructive policies, which are bad for America and bad for the world. Okay. And, I, and having said that, let me just say, the relationship between the United States and the United Kingdom is strong. We are, we are deeply connected as two nations with a strong historical, cultural, trade, economic, in every possible respect, we are two deeply connected nations. And the relationship between the President of the United States and the, and the Prime Minister is only one part of that. So, of course, um, America and the UK will remain, will remain strong, strong allies. I am so glad that we do. And, of course, the United States President will, from time to time, come here and talk to, talk to, the, United, to the United Kingdom Prime Minister. When he does that, the British people have every right to make their views heard, and so do us Democrats abroad, who have who have our own points. Do you feel that you represent? Like do you feel that you genuinely, though, Karen, represent Democrats abroad, all Democrats abroad? Because I'd have to say that you sound as though you're very much on the far left of the democratic spectrum, as far as the people I know in America who vote Democrat. That's fascinating to me. I, I that yeah, is that's not, never occurred to you. Um, well, no, it's 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 fascinating to me because I get a lot of shouted at. I get shouted at quite a lot for being too moderate um, on the Do Republican you? and the Democratic. Well, it's that by people in momentum. I don't know anyone in momentum, so I guess. Of course, you, you that. do. So, um, 
But then I guess the point that I would make is that I am I am a pretty broadly representative. Um, I hold pre- I hold points of views that is pretty broadly representative with a majority, not just of Democrats, but of the American people. Amongst whom Donald Trump is very, very unpopular. Right? Are you elected vice chair of the Democrats abroad then? I was elected vice chair of Democrats abroad, yes. OK. And how long do you serve? Um, well, I'm former vice chair, actually. I served two terms, two two-year terms. Oh, OK. You're not allowed a third like the president? <laughs> actually, I'm not allowed. I am I am term limited. Yeah. Well, there we are. Listen, I appreciate you taking the time to join us, Karen. I hope you um, have a good time when Donald Trump joins us, and I hope you don't uh, get into any trouble. Have a party, Karen. Just have a party and take it easy and chill out. It'll be much nicer for everybody. What we want to do is run a day of service um, on the day after Donald Trump's Trump's visit um, in showing our solidarity with refugee and immigrant communities both here and around the world. So we're going to try and do something constructive out of this and not just spend our time shouting, because I agree with you. Well, that would be better. It's only one of many ways. That would be better. If you you have a cookout, I might even come and join you. Good, let's Cookout, an American phrase. That's what I mean. Yeah, Karen is. Robinson, uh, former vice chair of Democrats abroad. Well, let's talk to Simon Jordan, who's a man that knows a lot about football, knows a lot about ownership of clubs and knows a lot about ownership of stadiums as well. Simon, very good morning to you. Welcome. Morning, Simon. Mo- morning, guys. I hope uh, you appreciate it. I'm standing outside an airport in a glaring sun for you guys. Well, that's so very... Well, are you, well you're obviously not in London, then, are you? You must be in Marbella uh, or somewhere. I'm, I'm in Marbella, Mike. I am indeed. That was a lucky very guess, flash. wasn't it? Now, Wembley costs £757 million to build. Apparently, according yeah. to inflationary figures, that is is now 987. So yeah. is it good business for the FA to sell it for 900 million? Well, first of all, they're not selling it for 900 million. They're selling it for 500 million. And what they're doing is they're attaching emotional value, Mike, to the catering rights that go with it, which is laughable. Right. If they think the catering rights of 300 million, uh, they're going to make 300 million on the catering rights. <laughs> they might make that over 50 or 60 years. Yeah. a lot of pies. Gonna... So what I mean, doing I mean is... the hot dogs are expensive there. I can vouch for I that. Know. I know they are. But they're stocking filling to make it look a better deal than it actually is. Right. Look, I mean, this is, this, is a, this is an environment, and I heard this back end of what Katie was saying about the, uh, the, the revenues coming out of concerts and so on and so forth. But this is an environment that makes about 10 million a year. The reasons why it doesn't make 50 or 60 million a year is because it's debt servicing right. at 50 million pounds a year. Once that debt servicing is done, Mike, they'll be making 60 or 70 million pounds a year. The FA don't need to do this. Now, I know the FA run this little mantra of we're not for profit business. Well, you're not for running property business, is what you are. Yeah. Um, and this, to my mind, on all fronts, is wrong. First of all, it wasn't what we were sold. Second of all, it isn't what the taxpayer put 170 million quid into. And third of all, it takes away an iconic position. And we're all too familiar in England with giving away our assets because UK PLC doesn't back itself. Now, that's the problem, isn't it? I mean, I'm looking at a piece in the Times this morning in which uh, Patrick Hoskin, the financial editor, says the equivalent of what has happened here is that somebody comes, knocks on your door and says, I'd like to buy your house. You invite them in and say, that's a great idea. Why don't we just do an exclusive deal here and now without putting it on the market and without asking anyone else if they'd like to buy it for maybe more money? Well, I mean, I'm not so sure that they would, they would necessarily, you know, uh, whether Shahid Khan has come to them and knocked on their door and invited the, the interest rather than the FA touting it around with a for sale sign. Mm. Now, the idea that it needs to be sold to grassroots, listen, the happy little mantra that they will, they will trot out is we're going to invest in grassroots. Well, quite frankly, you should be bloody doing that anyway. Yes. And, there's plenty, and the game's awash with money. The Premier League is awash with money. It doesn't need somebody that's trying to introduce a power-broking mentality within the confines of the NFL to be able to take it. And also, from a business point of view, this guy's going to make a pretty good return. If he takes away the debt servicing, Mike, and he puts 500 million of his own money down, 
and he gets 60 million a year out of it, which is what they're currently doing with that debt service. And he's going to get a 12.5% return on his money. Yeah. That's nice business if you can get it. Absolutely, so, Simon. So, what do you think that the FA should do then instead? I think the FA should continue along the vein that they're continuing. It's a, it's a venue. It's, you know, last year it did 300 odd million in turnover, it made 10 million in profit. It's going to be out of debt servicing by the time of 2024 comes around. And then you've got a venue that is then making 50, 60, 70 million pounds a year that can go into grassroots football, if that's that's the ideology Mm. they're deploying. So I think that we should keep our assets. We should have far more control over what we do rather than serving the the agendas of of other people. And the NFL landing in the UK, well, I understand the tie-up. I understand the benefits in sports having more reach and the commercial representation, but this is about the UK and our core sport is football, not the NFL's agenda. So my vantage point is, is the FA should not be selling this. I agree well, you with see, you. I would go along with that as a, as a sensible point of view because you are eminently sensible, Simon. I'm quite happy to, to, to say that to you, right? <laughs> However, uh, the FA are so bad at running it, as you've quite rightly said, that I'm not sure I trust them to run it uh, well. It. You know, outsource it. Get get proper. Listen, I, I don't trust the FA to run a bar. My vantage point on the FA has always been very strident. But by the same token, you know, they, there is a lot of things that they do right, and they have engineered a situation where the stadium. Is a venue. It is being. It was built well. Okay, for three times the budget, and the politicians got involved, and it should never have got to that level. But it is here now, and 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 ultimately they can bring in management, proper property portfolio management that sits there and runs it for them, takes a rake off, but necessarily still enables the FA to be to be focusing on their core identity or ideals and whatever they are. I have to say I don't know, but apparently presiding over the running of the game from the grassroots up. Well, you know I don't think we need to devolve ourselves of an asset because the FA aren't able to outsource a little bit of the control of the running of it mm. to a third party that is that's contracted in to run it for them, takes a margin for doing it, but runs it better than the FA may do. And just on the football front, does it matter to you yeah. whether there is a national stadium which is sort of owned by the English Football Association? Does that matter? Well, in so many things, we gave the world a head start, you know, and, and we gave the world football and the world's taken it and taken it beyond us. We have to retain some identity. What's the next thing? Do you fancy selling Wimbledon then? So we'll sell Wimbledon next, shall we? And we'll have the iconic tennis tournament being owned by the Arabs or the Americans or something of that nature. I'm not for it. And I think it's part and parcel of the identity of English football. I think the Premier League could easily step in here. The Premier League's a wash of money. Why don't you get the Premier League to buy it and fund it and make a turn out of it? There are plenty of other ways that we can control our own assets, our own iconic environments without giving them to third parties. It's not me being, you know, a British bulldog. It's just me saying, come on, we're a great country with great things and Wembley is part of it. We rebuilt it in 2007, Mike, because we wanted an iconic environment. That's what we were told. That's what we were sold. What's changed? Once again, Simon, thank you very much indeed. Simon Jordan there talking from Marbella. Where it's I nice think he and sunny. knows what he's talking about. He does know what he's talking about. Well, that's why people come on this show, you know, when they know what they're talking about. Now, uh, it may not surprise you to know, Katie, that Mr Donald J. Trump has tweeted about the Korean situation. He says, after a furious year of missile launches and nuclear testing, capital N, a historic meeting, rather than an historic meeting, between North and South Korea is now taking place. Good things are happening, but only time will tell. <laughs> I'm surprised he didn't congratulate himself. I'm amazed. Well, amazing I, think, I think that is his version of an understatement. Oh, right. Okay. Because I think he wants you to think that it's all down to him. Right. You know, good yeah. things are happening, he says. Good things are happening on my watch. On my watch. You know, 65 years after the war, they've now he, declared peace. Did you see he tweeted um, Kanye West yesterday? Yeah. 
He said, you know, you're cool. You're cool. You're so cool. Yeah, oh, very we cool. A, we did on the show, actually. Oh we did a bit God. on it. Killed old cunt. Yeah, he's gone a bit mad, hasn't he? He has. Let's Bonkers. talk to Natalie, who's in Brighton. Hi, Natalie. Hi, Natalie. Hello. 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 Yeah, what do you want to tell us, um, Natalie? I have a theory. Go on. The reason that um, Trump doesn't want to get it mixed up in the 300,000 demonstrators is because with his quips, his hairstyle, He's convinced he looks like John Kennedy. <laughs> Do you think? And he could end up going... He looks more like Ray way. Kennedy, used to play for Liverpool. No, I'm talking about John Kennedy, John <laughs> F. Kennedy. Yeah, no, I know. Natalie will, you be, Natalie, will you be protesting against Trump when he comes in July? No, 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 I've got other things to do. Well done. I think people who, who can be who, who can be bothered to, to, to go out and protest against Trump must have actually nothing to do. And it will probably be raining. Well, what else have you got to do that's better than protesting against Trump, Natalie? I'm writing a book. Ooh, what are you writing a book on? That'll do. A bestseller. Is it it novel? Is it fiction? No, no. It's fact. And it's... um, I've got publishers in New York waiting for it. They keep asking me, when is it coming? And when is it coming? Well, probably in two months I'll finish it. Oh, excellent. Will you send us a draft? I'll send you a copy of the book. Fantastic. Look forward to, is, is it your first book, Natalie? No, I have other books. Oh, you... The others were, were novels and kids' books. I used to write children's books. Excellent. Well, I wish you all the best with well, that. Well, listen, we'll look forward to it. Look forward to that indeed. Natalie, thank you very much indeed. You see, there's a lot of people listening to this show, including Better things to do. Authors. I've got, well, you've got better things to do than demonstrate against Trump, haven't you? I've got better things to do than talk to you. I'm out of here in half an hour. <laughs> You like this one, don't you? I do. Does this take you back? It does. Does it take you back to your student Who's days? This, though? I can't remember. I don't know, I can't remember either. Deacon Blue, how did I forget? Deacon Blue, they're Scottish, aren't they? Are they? Yeah. Yeah. Prefab, Pre-fab Sprout. Sprout. Do you know what? I was going to choose between one and the two, and I thought, I can't remember what one it is, I'm not going to say it. Well, you're going to choose I got choose the wrong between... name whispered in my ear. Yeah, there well, you go. see, that's why you should never listen to anyone that whispers Pre-fab in your ear. Prefab Sprout, they were good. Were they? Yes, they well, were. I can't remember any other songs they did. Oh, well. Okay. Now, um, now I did ask you if that took you back to your days as a student, because I reckon you as a student were one of those serious students, right? One of those who kind of did quite a lot of work, could be often found in the library. Shut up, I was lazy. Were you? I was a lazy student. I think, see, I'm amazed at that. I, I really am surprised at that. I think you would have been somebody who was very focused and very kind of career-oriented. No, I was arrogant enough to think that I could have this amazing job before I'd even got the grades, Mike, really? to be honest. Yeah, so I... That's why I really like you, actually, because <laughs> that's exactly what I'm like. <laughs> I just thought all of that stuff... I had, a, I had the time of my life. I thoroughly recommend going to university to anyone because I had such... An amazing time. Yeah, and I'm not it, sure it's that great anymore, though. Oh, I don't know. My, my time, my, it wasn't about the amazing place I was in, or it was the people I met yeah. and how different they were from people I knew before. And so it opened my eyes to the world, really. But I had a great time, and uh, but I wasn't what you would call an amazing student. I would often start a, an essay that was due in at 9am yeah. at 4am. Right. I understand. That's not well, really do you know what we're going to do now? We're going to bring you up to date with the way things are because apparently Newcastle University uh, is the rowdiest university in Britain, right? And apparently, I'm not surprised. They're so badly behaved in Newcastle that the um, the, the sort of the burghers of the of the university have come up with a plan that says if they behave themselves well and get on well with their neighbours, they're going to give them money. They could actually give them a thousand quid, like a bribe, so they can have a party. 
Right. Now, we're going to talk to Patrick Monaghan, who's a comedian from... I'm, I'm going to insult him by saying from that part of the world, because he's actually from Middlesbrough. <laughs> Patrick, welcome. Hi, Patrick. Hello, Mike. Hi, Kate. Do you know what? Let me tell you this. I could never stop seeing Katie at the library. She's such a liar. She was always in there swatting <laughs> up. That's true. Believe it, Kate. Every, every time I went for a textbook, Mike, they're like, no, no, Katie's already yeah. using it. She's I, remember, it I remember when I was at university once, my, yeah. uh, I had a, my <laughs> politics tutor who nearly yeah. fell over because he said, yeah. this is the second time I've seen you in the library in a week. What on earth are you doing? And he's like, what you're never you in here. <laughs> did you not read? Did you not read the application? You don't go to write. That's the whole point. Well, I mean, I'm I'm happy to say that I I did uh, two years at university and then left on yeah. the grounds that uh, I could like they couldn't teach me any more. <laughs> I was doing economics and politics at Bath ah. University, and they said to me, I'd become the editor of the student newspaper, right? And really? uh, which in those days wasn't a sabbatical job, so you had to actually yeah. do it. And it was all I was interested in doing. And they said, you can't yeah. run the newspaper anymore. And I said, well, in that case, I'm leaving to run a real <laughs> newspaper. So, Patrick, what do you think about this story today, that people get, you know, yeah. universities are now paying their students I would, to Well, I'd, I'd say don't offer anyone in Newcastle yeah. University money, because you know what they're going to do with it. Exactly. Listen, listen. Well, we're not... Look, like you said, I'm from the area. I'm not actually Geordie. I'm actually from uh, Middlesbrough, Tisa, but everyone calls us Geordie. But straight away, look, you, you don't be offering people a grand, a grand a shot. That, that's like, that's a wage. That's like £250 a week. That They get a grand for the month for being quiet. Most people up there, and I'm not being offensive, but most people up there were struggling to get, you know, get the job in Sports Direct. You're on zero-hour <laughs> contracts. You don't be starting off on a grand. Most people are going to, if anything, this will just encourage people to go back to university. Well, exactly. Like, this is great. Well, I mean, I'll tell you what's really worrying, right? There's a couple mm-hmm. of students who are apparently uh, amongst five yeah. who have been nominated by their neighbour. This guy's yeah. called Will and her name, and, and, no, sorry, two guys, oh, Will and Ollie. Yeah. Apparently, yeah. they keep their area tidy and they <laughs> take their neighbour's bin out every Tuesday. I mean, what's going on? <laughs> they're not students. They're they can't robots. be. They're not real people. They're, they're probably, they've probably got, like, they're working in the AI or something, <laughs> intelligence. Yeah, like, got there's, no, be, there's, no way, there's no way any student gets up early yeah. enough to take the bins out. I, take the bins out. They wouldn't even know where to take them. No. Well, they wouldn't even know what a bin is. They'd be looking, they're probably thinking... Their bedrooms have been, Patrick. Yeah, exactly. This is the thing. I mean, look, you've all, we've all been students. You've been there. We've even seen students now. And, and it, again, I'm not stereotyping, but if you look in the paper, you see it on the news, the, uh, what was, there was one programme, do you remember, it was How Clean Is Your House? And they did it, and literally they went in, and students were putting pizza boxes on the floor, and they were left there for so long that people were putting rubbish in the pizza yeah. boxes because they thought they were That's in. perfectly normal so behaviour, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. I, used to, I used to live in a house um, in yeah. Bath, which uh, one guy had a bed that was propped up on giant yeah. empty bottles of uh, Branston pickle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's, do you know what? That's, nowadays they'll be like, "Oh, that's health and safety." Oh, exactly. That's, that was that's how you used to live. It's great living. Yeah. Isn't it? and, I mean, we we, but, we had a we had a uh, an electricity meter in the basement, right? And oh, occasionally we'd quiet. be two floors up, and it, all the lights yeah. would go out, and nobody yeah. would go down and put money in because we were all too lazy. <laughs> we just sit there in the dark. Well, it's brilliant, isn't it? Can you imagine now? Can you well, imagine there would be nowadays? Well, you would still be in the dark because all everyone pays for everything on the mobile phone. So can you imagine they can't charge the mobile? No. Phone? To plug it in, to can't put to pay it on the meter, you'd be in a catch twenty four. Yeah. I mean, do you? Do you I don't know if you do a lot of shows around universities, yeah. Patrick. Have you noticed yeah. that the, the university kind of personalities are changing? Do you know what? I, it's funny because I think it's it's probably no different to when when we were all students or, or kids and stuff. But the 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 fact is that they're a lot smarter now, and this doesn't surprise me the way that they've used cash incentives because. 
look, students, young people, they haven't got time to be cleaning. They haven't got time. You know, when they're drunk, they just want to, you know, they just want to have a laugh. So I think it's, nowadays, if anything, they're exactly the same, but they're just they're just more clued in. They, If anything, I'd be surprised if it's not Oscar and Will who put forward the plan to the university going, listen, there's lots of noisy students here. I reckon if you put a grand up, we could probably make them quiet. And they're, they're the only two that have put themselves up for the... For the scheme. But Patrick, it's so how desperate they are for students yeah. to come there and pay their massive fees because in my yeah. day, if you didn't behave yourself, the student union, mm. union would tell you that the president of the university would yeah. want to go and see you right. and you get kicked yeah. out and you get told, yeah, listen, if you can't behave yourself, see you later. Right. Yeah. But they're, they're all exactly. money-making now, aren't they? They need as yeah. many students as possible. Well, that's it. I, I'm, I'm probably older than you two, but I don't know if you... I used to get grants. Do you remember that? I very much yes. doubt you're older than me, uh, Patrick. Well, there you <laughs> carry on. <laughs> oh, no. Nobody's older than I am. Listen, you two sound like you're 27. Just let that <laughs> that's, go. That's I like this guy. I am, I am a bit immature. <laughs> Everyone again. It's true. <laughs> no, no, I, I, but when, look, when we, I remember I went to Liverpool, I went to a foundation and you do all that sort of course thing. And it was, um, and it was so funny because back then, I surprised people now when they sit there. And I say it wasn't just they didn't pay for your fee. They didn't just give you. It wasn't a grant. You didn't pay back. They they even give you like money. It's like I suppose it's like a burst, you know. But they give you money to pay for your accommodation, pay everything. It was ridiculous. So I remember we used to. You get money and you go, is this? And then you get the money and they put it. You think, are they? Are they giving? And it was a check as well. You think, have they gone mentally? They've gone a bit over the top. <laughs> so you just you just take the money. No one said nothing. So we were all great. Everyone was. Like, I think that's why everyone was like, you know what? Let's just hey, just keep your head down. Wait till the money's spent and then. And you can, uh, and then before they can, you know, try and get it back off you. But it yeah. was, but I, I thought, but you know what? We were, I think people would know better back then. But it was just, I think nowadays, because it is so, so much easier. I mean, and Jesmond, look, Jesmond is a, it's a lovely part of Newcastle. And I think nowadays it's so easy that we didn't have back then, which is all this social media. Where, yeah, you know, exactly you what I was going to say. Exactly. Just someone takes a picture. They take a picture of like a bin with a couple of cans that are not actually in the right bin. They're in the, the glass bin instead of the, you know, tins and, and paper section. <laughs> and then cycle at 4 a.m. when you're Not the pizza yeah, box bin. Exactly, yeah. And it, it's like, literally, that's getting retweeted around the community group in Jesmond. You know, they've got 300 lights on it. They're all panicking. Oh, my God, the town, the, the area's gone to wreck. <laughs> so it's like, whereas back in the day, no one gave them, how would you, you know? Well, you wouldn't know, would you? Yeah. No, exactly. No one give them monkeys, would no. they? And then by the time someone came to complain, the bin men have taken it, or someone living in it, you know, they're sleeping in it. So. Yeah, I know. Brilliant. Listen, <laughs> yeah. Patrick, we've become so impressed with your uh, various appearances on this show, we've decided to nominate yeah. you as our Northeastern correspondent. Should you wish to accept <laughs> that particular honour, we'd be I delighted to keep in touch on a regular is, basis. Yeah, thank you very much. It's a pleasure. <laughs> do you know what? That is an honour. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go and print that out. Yeah, do. On the wall. Put it on I'm your, gonna... uh, get your business cards ready. You know, because yeah. I mean, you never know how long we're going to last. It may not be that long, so um, no, so just get it, get it out there, Patrick. Thank you very much indeed, Patrick Monaghan. Now it's time for this. The 2018 Perrier Awards on Talk Radio. It's that time again for me to cast my ears back across the week to bring the very best moments from the so-called Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Our first award this week is the prestigious Julia Hartley Brewer Award for the best outburst uh, producer, and it goes to Mike Graham. For me, yeah. Yeah, it's really walking, stressful, Mike. Walking yeah. around, walking around. Massive. He's telling me to break, right? I'm in the middle of a story about my children. <laughs> I'm talking about my kids who I gave birth to. Have you got no soul? Unbelievable <laughs> what you get told to do here. 
I don't really give birth to them, by the way, in case you're wondering if you're that was actually rude. some kind of medical you're miracle. You're just rude. Well, and no, it's rude to interrupt me, isn't it? Well, you're interrupting me in my awards, so shut up. Sorry. It's our second award is the Perrier for Best Flirting. That goes to talk radio reporter Alex Dibble, who is outside the Lindo wing talking to the royal fanatic Julie and Tracy. Before you let them go, uh, have they yeah. got any favourite names or favoured names? Yes, favourite names, girls. Um, Julie and Tracy, lovely names. Um <laughs> that was quite Just funny. Imagine that. Like the royal family are going to use Julie or Tracy. Tracy. Love <laughs> anyway, it. next up, congratulations to Mike Graham, the recipient of the Perrier for the best memory of his own name for this clip from Monday. 0344 499 You're listening to me, Kate, uh, Mike Graham and Katie Perrier. I'll <laughs> <laughs> oh, bless him. I'm really serious. That's because I really want to be you. So. Uh, yeah, of course, of course. Naturally. <laughs> And that's not just it for Mike. He also wins the Best Repetition for a Mistake Award for this clip from Wednesday. 0344 499 You're listening to me, Kate, Mike Graham and Katie Perrier on Talk Radio. He did it again. Well, did I do it again? Yeah, you did it did again. I? Yes. I, I noticed you that, sure? but I didn't think anyone that else did. That sounds exactly like the first one. No, I think it's stitching me up here. <laughs> Our next award for the Perrier's outstanding contribution to the not showing disdain for having to talk about Brexit again. And that goes to the wonderful Rachel Johnson. And I who? think the argument oh. is um, that... I, I'm with Brexit looming. Oh, that was like a Kevin kind yeah. of sigh, wasn't it? Teenage I think I was sigh. putting her off by, by taking my jumper off. Were you annoying her? Probably. Probably. I annoy everybody else. And guess what? What? It's your turn again, Mike. Okay. You win the award for the most interesting pronunciation of a breakfast cereal. A country that's invented muesli is worth being friends with, I think. I agree. Where would we be without muesli? What's wrong muesli? with Muesli? Muesli. What's a cow? Moo. Well, what do you say? Muesli. 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 Don't be so ridiculous. I've never heard of anything so daft in my life. Muesli, whatever. Muesli. The next award is for the creepiest (laughs) comment from a caller this week. Congratulations, Mark, in Castleford. Silly, and you'd see all these supermodels walking around holding a bottle of Evian water. Oh, yeah. And I remember thinking... (laughs) Come to think of it, that is that is he likes that image. Here on the Independent Republic, we do, of course, pride ourselves on the high le- level of intellect. And this week, Mike wins the award for the most incisive comment. I mean, if you've got a toothache, you either have to get it fixed or, or you don't. <laughs> Thanks for yeah. that. You're not well, you know, my medical life. knowledge knows no bounds. Not only are you super clever, my friend, but his journalistic prowess has earned him the Berry Award for the most inf- informative answer of the week. How did she get to know President Trump in the first place? Who, Melania? Melania? Yeah. Um, well, I think he met her somewhere, didn't he? Did didn't he? Not? he? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Well, <laughs> you were well, trying you to see, be polite, yeah, and well, I was trying to be rude. Yeah, well, I was trying to be careful, I think you'll find. Oh, OK. Because uh, I didn't want to say exactly where he'd met her. Just in case Trump sues you. Well, I don't think he's going to sue me so much as I'm going to get another kicking from the management. <laughs> <laughs> another one. Well, you're on a roll this week. The moment from when you spoke to a head teacher in Wales has earned you the Perry Award for the best, if not slightly xenophobic, slip of the week. Tell us about these sheep. Uh, sorry, these goats. <laughs> that, well, that's got to be my favourite. You nearly of all lost time. it completely on I that one. I totally lost it. I couldn't so regain it. So slip. It was very funny. Yeah. And finally, the last one will goes to you for the understatement of the week. If I'd have somebody sitting in the car next to me talking to me, yeah. you know, that's just as distracting. It, it can is. be. It, no, it definitely is. I, I mean, I was once in the car with my ex-wife going down uh, Broadway in Manhattan, and uh, we were having a round. She took the cigarette lighter out and stuck it on my leg. What? Hot. While I was driving. Yeah. Now, that's pretty off-putting when you're driving a car. <laughs> to be fair, if I was married to Mike Graham, I might do exactly the Funny same. Funny enough, Daisy said to me, was she very violent? I said, no, not really, but a couple of times. And I, you know, the idea that she went, hot? Well, I mean, why would you stick a lighter on somebody's leg if it wasn't hot? You must have been driving her nuts, that's all I can say. That's it for this week's Perry Awards. There'll be more next week. The 2018 Perrier Awards on Talk Radio.
across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio, via DAB, online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio.